Welcome to Counterbalance Conversations, the program that enables and encourages you to make the changes you need to make a true difference in our world. Your host is Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Our hope is that by hearing from people who have stood out and made a positive change in their community, their lives, and their world, you'll feel the need to do the same. Now, here is Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Hello, and welcome back to Counterbalance Conversations. I'm your host, Melissa L. Strasser, and thanks for joining. If you're returning, I appreciate you coming back and listening, and I hope you're finding value in the information that uh, you're getting from Counterbalance Conversations. And if you're new, thank you and welcome for welcome for the first time. So tonight we're going to be talking about the power of habits and rituals. We talked last week about creating a vision, creating um, something in a creative way and a practical way that would allow you to advance yourself uh, within your uh, goals and achievements over the next year, six months, whatever that looks like for you. So tonight we're going to talk about what are some of those things that we need to do to solidify our schedules that will give us that time to um, move forward on our goals. Because, you know, we all kind of start saying we don't have time and we're really busy. And there are a lot of things that happen uh, in our lives that maybe steal a little bit of our time. But there's a lot of things that we can do to maximize our time and make sure we're not wasting our time. So this isn't going to be about time management. It will feed into that for you. But this isn't about that. This is about creating systems and ways of being that are going to allow you to do things subconsciously and without having to think about the process of doing things, what you need to do, how you need to do it. It's just going to systematize your life a little bit. So in you know, in your workplace, there are things you do, there are steps, there are checklists, there are things that you do. I'm not saying that you would need to do something like that, but habits and rituals get you into a state of mind, change your state of being, and allow you to have that muscle memory built up. So those days that you aren't motivated, those days you don't want to get up and go to the gym, those days that you don't want to work on your business or your side hustle or or whatever it happens to be, these habits and rituals are going to pull you through those different um, roadblocks that, you know, they come up for all of us. So for me, I have a morning ritual that is 100 I do 100% of the time. It may not be perfect every time. There may be days that you know I don't do it 100% to the best of my ability, but I do it every single day in some form or fashion. So what does that look like for me? What that looks like for me is I get up at the same time every day. It's about 6 a.m. Um, now that I'm working for myself, but sometimes I'm up at four or five o'clock, but I've pushed it. I've tried to push it to about 6 a.m. I get up. Um, I have some, you know, basic chores like feeding the animals, petting the dog. And then I make my coffee. I get my journal. I have a planner 
and uh, I have a book that I'm reading. Every single morning, as soon as I sit down with my coffee, I open up my planner and it's a very simple planner that says, how are you feeling today? So I can kind of capture what is my current state? Am I not feeling great today? Did I not sleep well last night? Did I, uh, did I sleep really, really hard and feel fantastic? Did I wake up in a state that is not conducive to doing all the things that I need to do today? And if that's the case, you know, you rank it from good to, or poor to excellent. And then you write down, why are you feeling that way? And then what can I do? What is that? What are some things I can do to kind of get myself going a little bit more? So maybe that's listen to some music. Maybe that's doing some yoga. Maybe that's calling a friend really quickly and saying, hey, look, um, I'm feeling not real motivated today. Can you help me? Um, and sometimes that is as simple as writing it down and saying, you know, I just need to do this and I need to look at what I'm doing and start checking off some things so I can get those dopamine hits. And then what is the one thing, the one thing that if I accomplished it today, I would feel like today was successful. No matter how long my to-do list is, this one thing I will consider the day a success. I generally put down a personal and a professional um, item on that list just because it's um, it allows me to stay a little bit more on track on both sides of my life. And then when I'm done with that, I put, I do gratitude. So I write down five things that I'm grateful for. Sometimes I go up to 10. And then what time am I going to stop working today? Because as you know, no matter how many tasks you have on your list, if you give yourself a set amount of time to do it, it will expand to that amount of time. So if I have two tasks and I say it's going to take me until five o'clock today, then it will that task will take me until five o'clock. If I say I have two hours to do this, then all of my tasks will um, take me until two o'clock or take two hours to accomplish. So... As you uh, are writing this down, then I have a to-do list, a brain dump on the right-hand side of the, of the page. And some of you may recognize this planner because I bet you you have it. And on the right-hand side, I just brain dump everything that's in my head that I need to do. It may not all be that day. It may just be, oh, I remembered I needed to do these things when I woke up this morning. And then I do a quote of the day something that will motivate me. And I put that on the same page. So that's the first thing that I do. It takes me maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes to do. And then I uh, do a journal uh, entry, usually three to five pages of journaling in the morning. You don't have to do that. I just usually have a lot of ideas and things that are rolling around in my head that I want to work on, maybe projects. And so I want to make sure I'm capturing all these ideas. Um, sometimes it's personal stuff, but it gets all that junk out of your head that's going to distract you later on in the day. And then I usually read something from, I have a book that I usually read in the morning. I have several going at one time. Um, And I read at least one chapter, one chapter or 10 pages, depending on if it's a small book. 
Uh, sometimes it's more than that, depending on how much time I have. But the minimum is uh, one chapter or about 10 pages. So, um, and then once I'm done with that, I get onto my morning routine. I get onto the making the beds, you know, and getting ready to talk to clients uh, or prepping for this show or whatever it is I need to do for the day. But if I miss that ritual in the morning and I don't have that list to go by, uh, I personally do a written list. You can do it however you would like. Um, If I don't have that, I'm really missing something out of my day. And sometimes if I miss it and I just say, you know, I don't need to do that. And around lunchtime, I'm not being real productive. I'll sit down and at least do the planner portion so then I can get myself back on track. So there's no wrong way to do it. But um, some of the greatest minds of our generation have been talking about how their morning rituals anchor them and how their routines within their day um, are anchoring them at the beginning of the day. So they know here, if nothing else happens, here are the things that I'm doing. You hear Oprah talking about it. You hear um, Dwayne Johnson talking about it, Ariana Huffington, Will Smith. Uh, Damon John is really um, open about his routine as well. Some of the things that they're doing for their daily rituals are exercising. They go to the gym first thing in the morning. That's their their key. Mine, part of mine is yoga. Um, reading, journaling, meditation, playing with their dogs, taking their dogs for a walk, you know, reviewing their goals. So remember we talked about writing your goals and having it by your bed. Well, put it on one of those big flip charts or a small sticky note beside your bed so you can read it as soon as you get up in the morning. Um, Getting the proper amount of sleep. That is a huge one across all of their schedules is getting the proper amount of sleep, whatever that is for you. Some people sleep three hours. Some people need seven hours of sleep. They also do reflections in the evening. So even though they have morning routine, they're journaling. They also do a reflection at the end of the day, sometimes written. Sometimes it's just a mental checklist of how did I do today? What could I have done better? And going forward, how am I going to address that a little bit more, um, a little bit more succinctly or maybe do something better or maybe show up better for my kids or my spouse or my coworkers or my teammates. Healthy eating is another one. Uh, um, And then just that family time and that planning time were other things that they had on their list. So creating those touch points creates an anchor for your day. It creates something that you can say, no matter what, these things are going to get done and I'm going to achieve some of my goals. Some of the other leaders that I uh, researched when I was working on the power of habits and rituals, they talked about, you know, what motivates them to get their rituals in line, to develop those particular uh, schedules and routines. Um, They said that loving what they're doing is one of the biggest things. So if your morning routine is drudgery, on a daily basis, then it may not be the right routine for you. It will not always be happy. You will not always be happy to get up at 
four or five in the morning to go to the gym and work out with your trainer, but you will have a habit and a routine of doing it and you will feel like something is missing out of your day if you don't. Systematize and automate everything that you possibly can. That is their other advice on uh, routines and rituals. And have habits and rituals that support the state that you want to be in. So if you want to be happy, you want to be motivated, you want to be driven, what are your habits saying? If you want to be healthy, if you if you say, I want to have a lean body and I want to be a runner in the next six months, but you do not have the ritual of either getting up in the morning, scheduling time for your workout, workouts, going for a run and training. If you don't have those things in place, then would, do you think you're going to achieve that goal? Probably not. So what is the state of mind or the state that you want to be in in order to achieve the goals that you want? So what are those habits and rituals? Write those down. I know I'm saying a lot of writing it down. So that can be your in your phone, in your journal from last week that we talked about, or it can simply be um, you can find a worksheet. There's plenty of worksheets online that you can work on. So uh, the next the next thing I want to talk about is how do your habits and your routines how do they get started? So we've all had potentially a habit that is not as healthy as we wanted, or some habit that we wanted to break, whether that be the habit of watching too much TV, smoking, um, drinking too much, overeating, uh, not spending, uh, workaholism, something like that. And we try to break those habits, or we try to create new habits. So as we try to create our new habits, um, we're also not just looking at the physical reality of what we're doing with our habits, we're also internalizing this and we're thinking about how is this attached to our identity? So habits are attached to, you know, who we are and people know you because you do certain things or in your mind, that's part of your brand or that's part of your personality that's part of your, uh, what everybody knows of you. So if you are somebody who is a smoker and you go out at noon uh, for a smoke break and at 10 o'clock for a smoke break, and then you go out in the afternoon um, and then you go to quit smoking, suddenly people are going to say, oh, well, they're not going and doing these things anymore. But, it, but you're also going, oh, everyone knows me as a smoker, how are they going to um, uh, react to this change? It's usually going to be a good thing if it's a habit that is less than desirable uh, from a society standpoint, but it could be something that you're changing. Like maybe you have a family that um, eats a lot, like they have large meals on Sundays or they provide large meals with pasta and, and bread. That would have been my family. And you decide that you want to be vegetarian or you want to get healthy and you want to uh, not eat all those carbohydrates. And 
they start looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Why, why don't you want to eat with us? And you're making a positive change and maybe they're not uh, looking at you the same way. It can bring up some fear um, of losing your identity if you're making some changes and new habits. Maybe it's, uh, and fear is a, a powerful motivator. So if you're afraid that you're not going to be accepted with this new group or the old group or even with the new group, maybe you're not feeling like you won't be accepted, then fear may keep you where you are and keep you coming back to that habit. I know that whenever I uh, quit smoking, it was really funny because no one, everyone shared with me they didn't even realize that I smoked. There was always a fear of letting people know that I was a smoker. Um, That was not really accepted in the community that I was in and the culture that I was in at the time. It was a healthier environment that I was working in. Um, So I actually had more of a positive experience with changing that part of my identity. So your habits and rituals can change your life in a very, very short time. I've been uh, also reading a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Some of you may have heard of it. And he breaks down the changing of habits the um, and how to make habits much more uh, or much easier to change and address. And he breaks it down in a really smart way. So he talks about, you know, the cycle of habits and the cycle of habits um, and the laws of behavior change are cue, craving, response, and reward. So that's the cycle of a behavior change. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm not going to get real deep in it. Um, I do recommend this book. I'm not being paid to uh, endorse it. I just think it's a really valuable um, literature, very valuable literature for you if you're trying to make some changes in your life. So what he talks about is changing your cue uh, which to the cues. So that's your triggers in your environment. Uh, you want to make it obvious. So if, for example, you're wanting to go running in the morning, you want your sneakers by your bed, that's going to be your cue or your trigger that you're going to do that. There is something sensory, something visual that you're going to do. Then it goes into the craving, which is making it an attractive option. So let's, so the fast food industry and the food industry in general pays millions of dollars every year to figure out what the food, they call it bliss point. What is the balance of salty and sweet? What is, uh, what are your taste buds craving? Uh, That will create a dopamine, um, that will create dopamine in your brain, which will then inspire you to act. So let's say you like French fries. You go and buy some French fries. Those French fries are perfect. The next time you see that particular restaurant, you'll remember their French fries have a dopamine hit and it will inspire you to buy more and take action. 
Same thing happens with your cell phone. If you're online and you're on social media and you get a reaction uh, to something that you're doing and you hear the ding, the ding then gives you a, dro- a drop of dopamine, which then a lot makes you feel good because you feel like people are engaging with you. The next is response. Make it easy. So we've made it obvious. We've made it attractive. Well, let's make it really easy to do. Let's make it the easy choice. Doesn't mean the action will be easy. It's just make it the easy choice. So, and then the last one is reward. Make it satisfying. So what is the satisfying uh, factor for you? So is it, is there a reward at the end? If you're on a diet, it may be a piece of chocolate. If you are going for a run, maybe it's a new pair of shoes uh, at the Azure reward if you do it for 60 days. Um, if it is, and you can use a tracker, a habit tracker for that. But just remember that when we're talking about the identity changes and we're talking about the cycle of cue, craving, response, and reward, you want to make it something something that is an outcome-based versus identity-based. Identity is an inside-out process. Outcome is you're drawing the energy from outside, the inspiration from outside. So some other uh, insights from Atomic Habits is... um, You want to make systems, not goals, for these particular habits. Uh, You don't want to rise uh, to the level of your goals, but you do fall to the level of your systems and your habits. So what that means is if you're having a bad day, you will always pick the easy road. You will always pick thing that you don't have to think a lot about. So think if you're not feeling 100% that day and you have um, something you need to do for a client, if you have systems in place, say templates or something in place that you have habitually put together or something is easily accessible for you, you're going to use that system versus uh, aspiring to the goal on that day. So whatever your systems and habits are, what are going to drive you? The next thing is what um, he calls temptation bundling. And this is linking an action that you want to do to something that you need to do. So while you are, say, making your first cup of coffee in the morning, maybe you do uh, five minutes of meditation while your coffee is brewing. So if it takes you 12 minutes for an entire pot of coffee to brew, then you can do 12 minutes of meditation or five minutes of meditation and then seven minutes of yoga if that or stretches. Um, Never miss twice. So there is options for failure. You know, we all fail sometimes. The option is really just to fail forward. So as you are failing forward and you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Just don't miss two days in a row. Just don't miss twice. Say, okay, let's get back on track. 
Or like I, I talked about earlier, at lunchtime, I reset my planner if I've skipped that morning. And then the next thing is make sure you start small. So you don't want to say, I want to run a marathon by next week. It may be, I'm going to get up and put my gym clothes on this morning. Because once you get your gym clothes on, you're like, well, I'm already dressed. I might as well go for a walk or I might as well go to the gym because I'm already there. Well, I'm at the gym. I'll do like 10 minutes of cardio. Well, then you feel pretty good after you do the cardio. Well, maybe I'll lift just a little bit of weights. And then before you know it, you've done your 45-minute workout on a day that you really didn't feel like getting out of bed. So start small. Start small so you can't say no to yourself. If you feel like you can't motivate yourself as quickly as you would like to, create a a group. Find a group of like-minded people that are trying to do the same thing or hire a coach that will help you and keep you on track. Make it fun. Make it engaging. Make it easy to do. Because remember, as we talk about creating these habits and creating any kind of routines, your goal is to make it an easy structure for you. Something easy for you to do that you don't have to think about. You get up, you do it without thinking. Or you systematize something in your life to where you say, Mondays I do this, Tuesdays I do this. There are a lot of ways to create habits. And as we navigate create, um, going through our goals and creating our goals and creating our visions, these habits and rituals are going to support you in achieving those goals, even on those days that you don't want to. So when we come back, we're getting ready to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more. It's still in the same vein, but we're going to go into the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz um, and how you can implement this into your life and into your business. So as soon as we come back, we will talk about that. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Counterbalance Conversations with Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Find out more about Dr. Melissa by visiting DrMelissaLStrasser.com. Now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Thanks so much for uh, rejoining our show. So we talked about habits and rituals before the break, and then now we are... um, can I reach into a little bit of a spiritual um, uh, topic around the four agreements? It's a book by Don Miguel Ruiz, and I know a lot of businesses in this in my in this local area have started using some of the principles to um, shore up their business to help their businesses. So this will be a little bit of a spiritual, a little bit of a personal journey. Plus it's something you can use in your business because if you think about the four agreements and how it is used personally, you can implement this in your business and, um, and really think about your clients in the same way and how your employees treat each other. So the beginning of the book, he talks about how as, individuals you know we were born into this into society we were given you know we had no expectations obviously and we had you know we were given a name we had really no choices because we have you know families and mother and a father who raised us uh, or someone who raised us and those individuals gave us a name they taught us about society and he lovingly calls it domestication. And as you think about that, you know, we learn a lot of contracts from our parents and from our families and different areas of society that we're part of. And some of those agreements and contracts may not stand up. You may feel like it doesn't really fit, like it's, you know, a pair of shoes that are just a little too small. And this, this part of the show is me telling you, you have permission to look at those agreements or social constructs that you have been given as a child or up until, you know, whatever age you are, 
until your 30s or 40s, maybe you were brought into, you know, a business and you really wanted to be an entrepreneur, or maybe you um, were part of a military uh, environment, wherever you're living, and that became your, um, the social construct that you were in, but maybe now it doesn't, it doesn't fit anymore, or maybe you're in a new environment that you can't use the skills that you have from your military career. So now you're finding yourself having to shift and change and uh, things aren't exactly feeling comfortable for you. So Don Miguel Ruiz talks about the four agreements and the first agreement is being impeccable with your word. This sounds like a very easy uh, concept. You know, you say you're going to do something, then you do it. But that's actually not what that's about. That is part of it. And it's also about making your own uh, and making promises to yourself and keeping them to yourself as well. But it's really about words matter. So the word um, impeccable means without sin. Um, so we're not going to go into a discussion around religion, but that is how um, that is the Latin definition of impeccable. So being impeccable with your word means not using your words to harm other people. And as long as you're not using your words to harm other people, you are then not harming yourself. Because if you think about it, if you are harming other people with your words, then they are are feeling hateful energy towards you, then you're hurting yourself. This also relates to gossip, um, talking poorly about yourself. So if you have low self-esteem and you're saying words against yourself, you're harming yourself and you're judging yourself and you're blaming yourself for, for things that may not be your responsibility. And it's creating a suffering in your in yourself. So if you are providing a loving word to yourself, you're going to feel loving toward other people. If you're sending a loving word to other people, then they will return and turn give you a loving reaction for for the most part. Gratitude is the same way. If you're grateful to other people, people will be grateful for you to be around. If you have somebody who is uh, in your life that is feeling very um, depressed, sometimes it's difficult to be around them because what they're projecting out does not feel um, like you want to reciprocate that. So with that, you're also creating a suffering for other people as well as yourself because you're creating a separation. This concept is a little bit deeper than what it seems on the surface. And understanding that even with your children, when you speak to them, speak to them in a loving way. Make sure that when you're speaking to them, what you're saying 
is true. For example, there was a story in the book about um, a woman who was not feeling well and her child was singing and she had a headache and she said, you sound, you, your voice is ugly. Please shut up. And that woman's child never sang again. She became shy. She repressed all of her emotions and she never sang. What that one moment did to that child was give her the belief, the belief that she must repress herself. She must repress her emotions in order to be loved. So how many times, how many times have we spoken sharply to someone in our lives and not been mindful of what we said? So your words have two sides. They have, and most of you will know this, this is not news, but it's a reminder, has two sides. You have the negative and the positive. So the negative is usually the lies that create incorrect beliefs and thinking. So whenever you say something negative and the person believes it, it then becomes an agreement. That agreement then becomes part of who they are. Positive words and positive affirmative words will set that person free from that. It will speak the truth and it will show them what is real. And sometimes this is work that they are having to do on their own to unwind some of these beliefs. How many of you have words that were said to you when you were young that you still carry? I know I do. I have uh, numerous stories of things that were said to me that I still carry and have had to reframe the agreement and release it. Because every time that you have an agreement and take something in and believe it, you have to create a new agreement to usher that one out. Gossip is one of those things that come in under this um, first agreement as well. So gossip is poison. It's actually negativity and it's a learned agreement that we pass on and all of us are guilty of it. We are storytelling society. We always have been. Humans are storytellers. So gossiping creates a bond and an acceptance in groups. So if you're gossiping and you're accepted and you're participating, then you'll be part of the crowd. But sometimes the gossip is not always true. And that has then created an agreement with the other person that you're not a safe person. So remember that words matter, good or bad. And if you're mindful, you can make yourself immune to any kind of negativity um, because people's attention hooks, because that's what a lot of the negative behaviors are and the negative words are, they're attention hooks that will take root in a very fertile mind. So if you're feeling that that information is true, those hooks will take hold and 
create in that fertile mind and it will grow into something much more challenging for that individual. But when you're impeccable with your words, you're no longer a fertile ground for negativity, only love and positivity. So be impeccable with your word. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. That one's a tough one. That one is, you know, whatever happens to you, don't take it personally. It's not about you. If you, even if you agree with it, you don't believe it. Maybe you do believe it, but it may not be true. So as soon as you personally agree, then you're trapped in that cycle. This goes back to the first agreement of being mindful with your words. It is, um, this is, if you are, if you don't, if you take, words personally or you take things personally it is of it's called personal importance or which is the height of selfishness we all kind of want to be the center of the universe right and we all want to be important and we all want to be in the middle of uh we want to be the focal point of attention at some point in our life This is the height of selfishness. That is the personal importance. And everything is about you. So don't take anything personally because as you take things in reality, nothing others do is because of you. It's because of themselves. It is because that is where they are in their journey. That is where they are. And when we take it personally, we try to co-mingle our inner worlds with their inner worlds and we create drama and tension and confusion. It is always from their point of view. It is always from where they were domesticated or their social constructs that they were taught has nothing to do with your inner world or your social constructs. So if you take it personally It makes you really easy prey for people that are gossiping and uh, not being impeccable with their word. Others' opinions of you don't matter. So as you remember that others' opinions don't matter, happy or angry, it's not your business. They can like you, they can dislike you, but you have to know who you are moving into that next level of um, yourself and just know who you are and step away from what other people are saying. Don't listen to it. I know it's difficult, but don't listen. Even your own thoughts. I know that sometimes your thoughts are going to become much more challenging your thoughts are going to be not really nice to you but your thoughts are just that they're just thoughts they're the monkey mind they're insecurities and fear and sometimes your mind will be the thing 
that disrupts your whole day. I know you've been there. The third agreement is to make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. So when we make assumptions about things that we think are true, uh, but we have no facts around it, creates drama. And gossip is making an assumption without verification, conjecture. And we fear asking for clarification because we're, we're nervous and we're not really great anymore at communicating and having honest conversations. But if you don't ask the questions, then you will never avoid the chaos and the conflict that comes from assuming. Assumptions are your imagination. Clarification is reality. So we retool the agreements that we've made from making assumptions because as we make assumptions, we're making agreements. So everything that we do is around words matter. We're making new agreements. We are retooling and asking for inquiry. The only thing that will stop the assumptions and retool any of our agreements is love. Don't make any assumptions. Don't hide who you are. Because as you're hiding who you are, you're also allowing other people to make assumptions about you. You're making assumptions when you're hiding who you are. You're assuming that they're not going to accept you for who you actually are. Love does not have to be justified. And you can be who or what you are with the person that loves you. And they will come in and stay. I know it's scary. I know we have a lot of people who are listening to the show who right now are hiding who they are, their creativity. They're hiding their passions and their artistic ability, or they're hiding some great secret about themselves. Create a new agreement to be who you are. Don't assume that other people don't need what you have. I had that conversation today with a friend as I was working on some of the things for the show today. And she told me that she really admired what I was doing and she trusted me and I was a safe person and um, that she loved that I was a coach and she, there was just a lot of things that she said to me and it really hit home because I was working on this, this section of the four agreements and really thinking about what I wanted to say uh, for the, for the show today. And it really hit home that I had made the assumption that my voice was not as heard as I would like it to be. And that my legacy was not reaching the people that I wanted it to. And what I came to the conclusion is that as long as I approach this show with 
love and compassion and good intentions and my clients with love and compassion and good intentions, the right people will be here. The right people will show up. And I am eternally grateful for those people that do. So this agreement is around a habit. So this was a habit of thinking for me. This was a great example because the habit of thinking for me started in elementary school when I was told that I should not talk in class by somebody that I admired. And from that point on, I've had a problem with expressing myself. So that has been a huge hurdle throughout my professional career. But now, as you can tell, I can talk for an hour. And this agreement was simply a habit. You just have to change your perspective and be engaged. Be curious. Ask that person, what do you have? What can I help you with? This is what I've heard. This is what I think. Is this true? And the final agreement is always do your best. We talked a little bit about that around your habits and rituals. Your best is not going to look the same every single day. If you just show up and do your best, and that best can be today I am not feeling well and my best is I can do 30 minutes of Um, exercise today, and that's your best, then that's fantastic. It doesn't mean, so remember that that doesn't mean that you can uh, slack off and procrastinate. That's not what I'm talking about. But a lot of times we overdo it, thinking that we, our best is much bigger than what our best needs to be. So what is the best that you can do today in your life to support yourself to where you won't judge yourself? You won't deplete your body because a lot of times we overdo it and our body gets depleted. And what is the best defined by you today that you can do that you won't judge yourself? You won't feel shame. You won't feel blame. It just is. And remember, you're a human being, not a human doing. Even though you have a human doing capability, doesn't mean you have to do all the things. You can step up, allow other people to do for you. You can accept help. As long as you are living intentionally and you're doing your best when you're living intentionally, remember that action is not the reward. It's really the action of doing things is not your reward. The reward is helping other people. The reward is doing for that other person. 
So if you feel obligated to do the job that is rewarded for money to pay the bills, it's going to fall flat and not make you happy. Contribution. So action is about living your life fully. You were born with this right to be happy. The first three agreements only work when you do your best. And doing your best is living with intention, living with love. And if you don't always do your best over and over again, or I'm sorry, if you do your best over and over again, you're going to eventually master the transformation. It just takes repetition, just like the habits, just like the rituals. As we are closing today, I just want you to remember that you were born with the right to be happy. You were born with the right to enjoy and share the love that you are. You are alive. So take your life and enjoy it. That is from Dom Miguel Ruiz in The Four Agreements. So as we are closing, remember to take a moment, take a few breaths before or after the, after the close of the show to center yourself and be present in your life. And when you open your eyes, remember that feeling of where you were last week with your visual visualization. And next week, I will see you here. We will have uh, Brad Latour with us from 5-9, and we'll be talking about mentorship, entrepreneurship, and leadership. So until then, be well, take care of each other, and take care of yourself, and catch your vision I'm looking forward to our next engagement next week and feel free to find me on Facebook and Instagram under at counterbalance coach and email any questions you may have to counterbalancecoach at gmail.com. Of course, you can find replays on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you can find your, um, where you find your podcasts. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Counterbalance Conversations. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, for another inspiring program next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next program, do something that stands out this week. Make a change. Be the counterbalance.